You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. And so tonight, can we just make a decision that we're all going to participate in this night together? Can we do that? I, I like to be looked at. I like to be the center of attention. But if we just look at me too long, I feel like I got to cover up. So can we do that? You good? All right. You know, we're in this. We're in this. <laughs> sorry, I just had the visual of what I said. I'm so sorry. So sorry. So sorry. Uh, no, but anyways, you know, we're, in, we're on our people on purpose series. You guys have been enjoying this? And Mr. Garcia, I just saw you, sir. You guys know James Garcia? Yeah. Better known as Scrooge. I love you and Twisted, sir. I love you and Twisted. And, and even as I just saw you, to you and your beautiful family, can I just say this? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I know you guys know that, and you guys are stellar at what you do. But here's what I know. God is not done with you yet. He's got more for you. He's got more for you. We love you guys. We love you. But... You know, we're on this people on purpose, and this is one of those things that, for me, um, really strike a chord, because here's what I know about everybody in this room and everybody online, is that all of us want to connect to people. We want to connect to a promise. We want to connect to vision. We want to connect to hope. We want to connect to friendships. We want to connect to success. We want to connect with something and someone, yes? Shoot, our family unit would not be a really good family unit if my wife and I couldn't connect. So there is this innate ability in us, this desire, if you will, to be able to connect. We have to connect. Here's the reality, though, that in our pursuit of connection, there's also this thing, it's a big D word, called disappointment. Disappointment likes to wedge itself, as you will, in between our pursuits of connection. Whatever you are pursuing right now, trying to connect with, there is this disappointment thing that wants to come in and to further separate you for what you're connecting with. You guys know what I'm saying? And sometimes it's not just people, sometimes it's a promise. Sometimes it's vision. Sometimes it's what you see. It's not just people, but there's also, how many of you guys know that when we are faced with disappointments from a person, that we don't necessarily want to go and see them again? Come on, anybody going to be real? I know that when I get disappointed by somebody, even my wife, I don't come and say, man, that was great. Let's do that again. I, come on, I retreat. I isolate myself, and I found that when I isolate myself to the level that I isolate, there is that degree of a hindrance over my life to connect. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? So I want to talk to us tonight about the distance between us. The distance between us. What do we do when we're disconnected? What do we do when we're disappointed? What do we do? You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Now, here's the thing. I want to show you something that I just kind of saw this today, that even with God, he places distance between us. Not in a bad way. Don't go in a negative way. I'm not saying that. He's a very loving God. 
But even God, I'll prove it to you in James 4, 8. I didn't give this to you guys. I apologize. But James 4, 8 just simply says, come near to God and he will come near to you. If you were already there, why would you need to come near? So there is a healthy level of distance that I'll just say is okay. There is okay. Even with God, we are meant to pursue him. Amen? We're meant to pursue him. But here, what I would like to do is take a look at a family together. Abram, Sarai, before they were changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. I'd like to take a look at them. How did they handle it? Take a look at their lives and see what we can pull out for ourselves and how we can learn from these amazing people. Amen? Amen. So I would like to do something with all of us. Could you stand in the reading of the words? So we're going to read a few chapters. Old school, I know. Here's why we're standing. This might be new to you. I know eventually one day this was new to me. And here's why. Here's what I've learned is that when I am participating in something, that degree which I'm participating, I get out of it. At the same time, what I know about this word is this word has endured countless dynasties, countless attacks. People are willing to give their lives for it. And so I figure if I can at least stand for it, I'm going to get something, something. Amen? So let's do this. Let's read this together. It should be on the screen here. But it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife. That's a very important part. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Everyone will say, that's not a good idea. I don't know what she was thinking. But Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine Ashley saying that to me? It would be a funeral. This would be a funeral is what this would be. Right? This blows my mind. Blows my mind. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near the spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they too will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be, I don't know if that's a compliment or... (laughs) 
it's gonna be a wild donkey. I mean, it's like, oh, thanks, you know, Th I think. Uh, his, hand, his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai, Roy, sorry. It is still there between Kadesh and, and Berard. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram gave the name of Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a father. We thank you that you love us. And I just pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would come in this place. That you would come and to open the words in our hearts, Father God. That you would open our eyes to what the Spirit is saying. God, I thank you that every ear can hear and every eye can see what the Spirit is saying to his church. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, you guys are welcome to be seated. Come on, you okay? You bear with me? That was 16 verses. I know that was a whole, you read a whole chapter today. I felt good. That was my Bible reading plan. Tick, you know, it's right there. I'm just saying. It's a really good thing. Did you guys catch what the first part said about this opening chapter, Sarai? Abram's wife. Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. You know, what's interesting about Sarai as we're looking at this, if we were to create a profile about this woman, how does this woman relate to us today? In our pursuit of connecting, how does this woman relate to us, right? And so here's what's interesting. She was married to a man, if you don't know, named Abram. Abram is the guy that has the promise. He is the guy that God has single-handedly called out from his family in a land and said, I want you to go to a land you do not know, to leave everything you do know, and go to the place I will eventually show you. This is that man. This is the man that's been called out of the family. Literally gets up, takes everything he owns with his wife and his nephew and just starts walking. It says in the word that they had been in Canaan for 10 years. Nothing in the Bible is by mistake. It's interesting because at least for Sarai's life, when this promise was called, she was the vehicle to which the promise was going to happen. Break that down for you a little bit. Abram is never having a child come out of his body. It's never happening. It, it, the woman is the one that births the child. And so here is a woman that in this time, in this DNA of, of space, that a woman was literally known by the amount of childbearing she possessed that she was honored or despised according to the level of children that she produced. So can you imagine being her age? 70 some odd years have gone by and she has hoped for the promise. She has dreamed to connect with it. She has tried, she has tried, she has prayed, she has connected, she has done everything that she can to say, God, here am I, give me a son. And the Bible says that Sarai, Abram's wife, was unable. What do you do when your body or you can't produce what God has called you to produce? 
What do you do? Like, you know what I'm saying? Have you guys had a word, or maybe you're fighting towards it now? Maybe there's a relationship that, you know, God has called you to do. God has called you to be in. God has called you to start something, to go somewhere. And you're just like, I don't know how to do that. You see what I'm saying? You're like getting crazy. I'm going to need another one of those. Here's the thing. What's so crazy about Sarai at this time that I can't help but to imagine is that for all of these years, she's living with this shame and this guilt. Because remember, every time she goes to the town to buy something, to make something, friends are coming over, all, they are literally judging her because she can't produce a child. She's living with this guilt, this shame, this disappointment. And so finally, we catch up to her in a very vulnerable moment in her life. And she says and looks to Abram and says, Abram, take my slave. It lets me know that levels of disappointment, levels of us trying to connect with a promise that's something that God has called us to, if we don't deal with it accurately, then it can lead to moments of, well... Irrational behavior. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? It's irrational. I mean, but can you, can you blame her in the moment? Because I know we've, we've all been there. I've been there in moments of just sheer frustration. You're just like, God, what is going on right now? I'm doing everything. Do you know what time it is? I'm way past that moment. I got no more, God. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, where are you at? And Sarai's like, listen, God ain't showing up. He's the one that closed my womb. He's the one that closed it. He's, he says, here's this good God. He says that he wants me to bear a son for you, by the way. Not even for me, but for you to be able to promise family. And she can't even produce it. It's crazy. So she reaches out to Hagar, a slave. That's crazy. She takes somebody else, puts her in a position that she wasn't called to, by the way. She wasn't meant to fulfill that. It wasn't like the promise came to Hagar. It came to Abram and Sarai. So what do you do when you're dealing with these continued levels of disappointment? What do you do when you got this? And can I just say this? When Hagar became pregnant, the Bible says in verse 4 that she began to despise. She began to despise. Here's a lesson about Sarai that we can take. That even a person with a promise can have irrational moments. So how do we deal with it? Irrational moments, you know what I'm saying? I would say this counts as one. Maybe you, you know, maybe there's a thing and you thought God was calling you to and he's going to say, you know, yep, God's calling me above. He's going to promote me, all these amazing things. And then you get laid off. 
And so now you want to just do something about that. And you're like, oh, man, I can't really take that key because I might go somewhere I don't want to go. Or maybe there's something you've been called to do and you are trying and you tried your hardest and it didn't work out the way you thought it would. And so now you're just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going somewhere else. I gave everything I had to this. What do you do when you're disappointed? What do you do? Well, the Bible makes it very clear what we do. We go to God. We go to God. And can I just throw this out there? I'm going to get to a little bit of my testimony in a minute. But when you go to God, understand that God, and I love what Pastor Tracy said this morning, is that our spirit cries out to him as Abba, Father. Not taskmaster, not slave owner, not person who doesn't know me, but Father. He says, Father. We cry out to him as Father. So when you come to God, if you don't know what that's like, my friend, it is beautiful. It is beautiful, but it says this in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We can come to him because he's good. We can come to him because he's worthy. He understands. He's Abba Father. And so he looks at us and he says, oh, I love you. I didn't create you to not produce what I called you to produce. But there's a timing to this. There's a timing to this. Some of you guys are like, God, where's my promise? Where is my chance? Where is my moment? There's a timing to this. There's a timing to this. Let me show you. Trust God. James 1, 17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down from the Father. Not from the abuser. From the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. What I want to drive home is here is a woman who, 70 plus years of age, gone her whole life being ridiculed, feeling shame, feeling hurt, despised, and in a moment of vulnerability has an irrational moment, taking a slave, which we'll discuss, taking a slave and, and causing her to be in a role that she was never meant to be in. And what she demonstrates to us is that, hey, listen, we all have a promise. We all have those moments of frustration. But don't let your decision-making be based upon emotions. Let it be based upon the Word of God. She paints that for us. Now, we kind of joked about this earlier, but seriously, what, what kind of man is going to agree to that? I don't... Think about this. Like when I like read the Bible, I'm just like, stop fouling the game. Like, I'm like, I don't know how to apply that one because it's not like I'm gonna go like, hey babe. So there's this one girl, you know, just it's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. We can't even joke about it. It's just even awkward looking at her right now because I'm like, I know exactly what's gonna happen. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm like, it's a funeral. It's a funeral. That's what that is. You know, but Abram, and so I just, I just want to maybe suggest something to Abram, wherever you are, buddy, in heaven. Take a minute here. Can I just suggest a different alternative? I got a video for you, buddy, and I want you to see it. So here, I'm going to help Abram. I'm going to help you guys. We got that? 
It's good, you're gonna love it. It's about to get real, baby. I know what love means to you. It's just me and you Everyone has left our home Girl, we're finally alone Wave goodbye to the guests You know what's next I understand We'll light your fire We've been married 20 years I know what you want I'm just saying, Abram, are you seeing the reaction? Every girl's standing up like, yep, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Oh, brother, there you go. I just, I'm just saying, man, sweeping the floor would have brought you a whole lot closer. That's all I'm going to tell you. But no, seriously, it's so amazing. You know, we get the chance to look at this word, to look at the Bible, and we get to learn from these people who... There was no Genesis 16 at this point. It's written about him. He is the star of the chapter, and we get the benefit to look at it. And, and I find it's interesting because, as I stated a little bit earlier, that Abram really is the guy that's been called out. Called out. He was the one where God single-handedly chose him and says, through you, the whole earth is going to be blessed. Through you. Can you imagine, put yourself in his position, can you imagine that level of promise through you? Like, what if, what if I mess this up, God? What if, I mean, I got to go to a land? I don't know. What if I get lost? Like, what if I never get there? I'm, I don't know where I'm going, but how do I know when I get there? You know, like, uh, you call me to do this amazing thing, but I, I don't know where to begin. Can you imagine what he must be feeling in this moment? That here is this man called out from his family. It's not like, oh, here, take everything. Take your whole country with you. No, he's leave it all, all of it. And he says, so just trust me and I'll send you. What, what is so interesting about Abram is that he represents to us that man with the promise. The man that has a promise that you just, he's just all in. He went for it. He went after this promise. He left the next day and just went for it. He followed God with his whole heart. And I love that about him. But what we can learn from him is that in this text, his wife was suffering. Great man. Great guy. I'm not saying anything about him. But he was so about the promise of God that when a statement comes, go take my slave He's like, sure. You see what I'm saying? Go a little deeper here. He was so about, so focused on 
getting it right, which how can you blame the guy? That he may have missed the condition, the disconnect, the distance between his wife. How do we know this? Because he just goes along with it. He just goes along, but the word was never for Hagar. It was never for Hagar. It was for Sarai, his wife. But he was in a place that's so about, I got to see this through. I got to get this through. I got to, I got to, I got to. And, and I get that. I get that. But even in a place of promise like that, we cannot afford to allow distance to, to disconnect us from the people God has called us to. We can't. No matter how big your promise is, can I just say someone on the left and to the right of you, maybe in front of you or behind you, is a part of that promise. They are a part of it. Without Sarai, there is no, nobody. There is no promise, son. Abram could not do this by himself. And so even if you are the top notch, the man with the promise, the visionary, the leader, you still need the people around you. You're never in a place where you can disconnect, where you can go away, where you can afford distance. Distance between us. The distance between us, we, we can't do what Abram did. And, and I get it. Like, honestly, I'm trying to make sure that I honor this man because he's doing amazing things. But the one thing that we can learn from is, are we allowing distance between us because we're so about the promise? May I suggest to you that the person on the left and the right, in front and behind, plays a part in your promise. Here's what God showed me in my life, is that if I disconnect from those people that play a part in that promise, if I choose to grow the distance through offense, or grow the distance because I don't like what they said to me, or grow the distance because I just don't agree with you, or grow the distance because it's my time. I mean, I've been waiting long enough. It, see what I'm saying? I can run this better than he can. Do they even know what they're doing? Do you know what she said to me? When we allow distance in a way to come in, we can be so about the promise of God that we miss the distance that was created between the people that are a part of the promise. Is this making sense? We can't be in that place. We can't be in that place. And so... What Abraham, the lesson that we can learn from Abraham is that every person, every person needs to be connected. Every person needs to be connected. And, and we can see it in verse 6. I was telling you and hinting to you about that dismissive language. You know, with Abraham, how, where, where was he in this place? How was he so about the promise? Well, verse 6 kind of gives us insight. Because he says, after all this is down, he's like, do with her as you please. Dismissive. Just... just do what you want. Do with her as you please. He's just disconnected, distant. We can't let that be us, church. Now, bring this home a little bit. If I say to Ashley, I'm using Ashley a lot here, but I love this one. 12 years strong, hey. But I love it. <laughs> Come on. I mean, we got this beautiful three-year-old little girl, right? Now, if, if Ashley comes to me and she's like, babe, listen, you know, 
I really need your help in raising her. Like, she's just on my last nerve. I'm about to put her through a wall type of thing. She's three. She's there. And, and I just say to her, do with her as you please. Am I close? Or am I distant? I'm distant. I'm distant. Same thing. But my wife is a part of the promise to raise this little girl. The person on the left and the right is a part of your promise. The person in your connect group is a part of your promise. I just feel an anointing in this place because what God is saying, don't disconnect church, don't leave church, don't say it's all about you church, no, 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 no. It's about us, the collective group in this church. Together we win a city, together we can build great things, together. It's not separate. The people in Babylon, the Tower of Babel was built and amazing and brought so much attention to God because of their unity, because they were speaking the same thing. So when we speak the same way, when we do the same thing, not about when is it going to be my time? No. No, 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 no. There's so much vision. There's so many people to do that. Let's collectively come together. Amen. Let's do this. Let me help you out here. There is a verse Ecclesiastes. And so whether you find yourself, wherever you find yourself in this mix, whether you're the CEO and you're the person with the vision, you're the person that's like Sarai, help him bring the vision to pass, that Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Meant to be connected. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Honor one another above yourself. This is no, for me, there's certain things that I really enjoy. And one of those is speaking. <laughs> no matter where it is, I just love to talk. <laughs> so so I, I, like, I like to be seen. One of the very real things for me to how to make sure that I, I'm like staying connected, I'm all just about me, you know, my promise and what, what it's all about me, is am I allowing the opportunity for others to say something valuable? Am I raising people up around me that say stuff that's like, oh my goodness, that was good. That's, that's a check for me. If it's all about me and my praise, I might be distant from the things God has put in my life which might be the reason it's taking so long. Don't stone me. I got a wife. Don't, don't do that. I'm just saying because Hagar is so interesting to me. I, I, if there's any three people I, rec I bring in, in the bank and come out, it's Hagar. And I'll tell you why. Because Hagar at this point in time is a slave. I don't know what you know about slaves, but she's a slave. Like, she's told what to do, yeah. when she can do it. There's no freedom for her. It's not like there's a promise just waiting for her that she knows about. It's just whatever Sarai wants. Just think about this. This is Hagar. Now she's in a situation, births a child, despising Sarai, 
because she's so frustrated. Why would you put me in this position? Now I got to care for someone under the same circumstances that you put me in or that I'm in. And now I got to care for this person. I got I to gotta tell them everything's going to be okay. I got to tell them that the good things that the Lord has done. But I don't see any good. So I despise. This is no more true for me than in my life. And when you look at Hagar and you look at everything that's gone on with her, she was violated up to this point in time. She was forced into this. It wasn't like she offered this. She was forced. She was forced into a, in, a, in, a, in a position where she's already serving the woman, quote unquote, with a promise. Sarai is the one with the promise. Hagar's the one just serving the woman with the promise. But she's put in this position and now births a son. And this, I gotta be honest with you, this was the one story in the Bible that kept me away from the Word of God and, and God for years. Because what this tells me, how I, how I read this for so long, was that there are mistakes in God's kingdom. It showed, it showed me that people can be mistakes. And that struck a chord with me because I too was one of those. I was unplanned. I was the product of bringing two people together in a marriage. Everything about my life was mistake. Everything that was fed to me since the time of my, of my birth was mistake. There was no purpose, rhyme, or reason to my life. So I grew up thinking that if there's no purpose for me, the best I ever get is to serve someone with the purpose who was planned to be here from the beginning. And I said, if, that, if that's God, count me out. This was the story for so long that kept me away from God, my father. Until one day, this verse came that absolutely rocked me. And it's verse seven. Verse seven says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside the spring of water in the wilderness. The angel of the Lord found. You can't be found if you're not, if, if, if you're not, like if you're lost, you can be found, which means how could a mistake be found? If I wasn't planned for, then how could I ever be lost? Because I was never a part of the original intent that God had for me. And yet you see where the enemy comes in and says that if you really had a plan in this place, if you really had a part to play, then you would have been planned. I was planned. I was. I'll prove it to you. Because in this place tonight, I know I'm not the only one with that story. I'm not the only one that says, man, God, where, where's my part to play in this? Do you see me, God? I'll tell you, God gave me the word for this whole message, and it's this for somebody in here today. That the delivery mechanism that brought you here doesn't tell you the part you get to play now that you're here. 
The delivery mechanism that brought you here does not get to tell you the part you get to play. And can I just suggest this to somebody who feels like, God, you don't see me. The fact that you're here, think about this. We cry out to him, Abba, Father. And God says, this is what God shared with me, and maybe this will bless you. He said, one day, because I'm struggling, I'm not coming to him. I, I will gladly take hell over this because I'm a mistake. This is my thought, my thought process. This isn't what I am, but this is what, God, what I thought for so long. And it finally occurred to me that God's just one day, he, it's like, it was literally in a dream. And I don't, that's just what it was for me. It was a dream. And God spoke to me in the dream and he said, I knew your parents didn't plan you. But the thought of not having you was more than I could bear. And then God showed me how strong he is. He says, I'm bigger than they're unplanned. I'm bigger than what is called a mistake. I'm bigger than that. And so I can handle someone who said they didn't plan for you, but I couldn't handle not having you in my life. I couldn't have that. Hagar to me, Yes, she was a slave in this time, but what Hagar really represents to me is that I don't need to be victim no more. I don't need to be victim no more. I don't need to let life happen to me. I can happen to it. I don't need to wonder whether or not God maybe kind of sort of loves me. I know for a fact God loves me. And here's what I know about each and every single one of us in this room. No matter where you find yourself, and some of you are like, but you don't know. Doesn't matter. God says, hey, the delivery mechanism that brought you here, wherever you find here, whatever here is, God has to have you. He's not done with you, church. He's not done with you. He is not done with you. Can I show you something else? You guys with me? Up in the back, you with me? The Bible could have just stopped there, in my opinion. And we would still get so much out of it because it's the Bible. But what really, what really kind of brings healing for me, what really set me on a trajectory to trust this God that was fed to me for my life, that I was a mistake, what was able for me to turn the corner, instead of becoming a victim, I would become victor. It's actually verse 13. Verse 13 says, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. For I have now seen the one who sees me. Think about that, church. I know all of us, we have a promise that we're trying to connect with. We have a person we're trying to connect with. We got situations. We got a business that we're trying to do. We got a job we're trying to get. We got things that we're trying to, to go after. I get that. And there's distance right now between us and that thing. We gotta manage that. Go to God, trust God, he's worth it. But as you're doing those things, understand that the thing that we can't do is continually drive more distance 
from one another. See, the, the reality is, is that we are part of each other's promise. And that if I didn't have a Pastor John or Pastor Becky, I wouldn't have made it this far because they represent something in my promise that they needed to bring out of me. You see, if I didn't have an Ashley in my life, I, there's no way I would be here. I wouldn't. But Ashley was a part of the promise. Just like you do for somebody else, you are bringing out the gold in them. And so when you distance yourself, you are literally robbing that person of the gold in them. What I want to do is this. I'm going to open up the altar. And can I just say, it, it, it takes bravery to do that. I get it. Especially when you're dealing stuff that's sensitive, like Sarai, feeling, God, do you see me? Crowd called me to do this amazing thing, and yet my body can't even produce what you called me to do. Abram, God, I... I'm just trying to fulfill the word. I'm just trying to be faithful. I'm just trying to go after it. I'm just, I'm just trying to be there. I don't have time to manage this woman's emotions. I, I don't know what to do here. Or maybe you're like Hagar, like, I'm just a slave. I want to open the altar for all of us to say this, is that can we have a moment where we can see the one who sees us? I really do believe that will change everything. Because when you realize you are seen in this moment, you were seen on how you got here. You were seen in what, you, what was done to you. You were seen. And God is looking. Could we close our eyes? Before we do that and open the ministry time, I just want to open it up to anybody who says, I've never actually been seen by Jesus. I've never actually given my life to him. And I would like to do that now. Maybe you're saying for the first time, you're saying, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have this relationship. I have never actually accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior where I realized he came, he died for me on a cross, and he brought me back to himself. If there's anybody, I, I, let's just jump right into it. If there's anybody, would you raise your hand with me at this moment? Who are those people that says, you know what, I, I just, I want God in my life. You're saying, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I see your hand up there. I see your hand. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand up there in front. I see your hand, ma'am. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand back there. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Who else is there? Says, I, I need to come. This is the first step in being seen. Say, recognizing, I see your hand. I see your hand, sir. Who else is there? I see your hand. I see your hand. Let's do this. Can we pray? For all those that raise their hand with me, can we just say, say, dear Jesus, I see you. And now I have seen you. Heal me. Make me your son. I'm here. You saved me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.